In 1962, things were looking up for me. I was well into my 21st year. I had a job. I was working for Roger Corman and learning a lot. I didn't have a girlfriend, but I had won a writing prize at UCLA, and so I did have an order in for a brand new Alfa Romeo Giulietta sports car. And uh, I was to go to Europe for the first time on a movie that Roger was going to make where I was about to be the sound man and pick up the car and tour around Europe after the film production. Now, Roger had a pretty much a, a method uh, when he was making a film in Europe that if all things considered when the production was over, usually financed by American International, since he already had the equipment there and all the people there, he would make a second film. So we, working on the film, all knew that there might be a second film in the offering. What happened, however, though, is he would call back to do, uh, I believe it was um, The Raven. And so the crew, the equipment, many of the actors were there in Europe, and everyone knew that if someone could come up with an idea to please Roger, that he might let them take all those assets and go and make a film. So I immediately set forth to write a screenplay along the lines of what I knew he was looking for, which was a kind of another version of homicidal, which was really another version of psycho, a thriller. So I showed my opening of my idea to Roger, and he liked it and miraculously told me that I could go to Ireland with all of the equipment, all of the crew, and uh, some of the actors, and make this film myself. This particular scene from Dementia 13, of course, was shot after the fact in Echo Park Lake. In fact, the, the dying husband here was... Uh, supposed to be dumped into the lake by the, uh, the wife who wanted to hide the fact that he had died. And so when she was about to dump the guy into the lake, in fact, that was me dressed up in his suit because no one wanted to go into the icy water at that time. But this scene was shot far later and tacked on to the picture at the beginning as planned. What do I do? I gotta get rid of him. I took the photographer of Roger's previous film, which was called The Young Racers, some of the grips and what have you. Now here I am getting dumped into the Echo Park Lake in L.A. That's my debut of my film directing career. The things you have to do if you want to be a director. It was an extraordinary opportunity, and I knew it. 
I went to Ireland uh, in my Alfa Romeo sports car and went to Ardmore Studios, which was a tiny studio in County Wicklow, and announced there that I was going to make a, a small, low-budget film that was going to be uh, in, in production collaboration with Roger Corman, who was well-known even there. And I made contacts with uh, people that could help me with casting. I also wrote, or called probably, my colleagues at UCLA, where I really was uh, still uh, in matriculation. My friends, Bart Patton, his wife at that time, who was Mary Patton, Mary Mitchell. And uh, I made contact with the Abbey Theater in, in Dublin and was put in touch with uh, some of their stalwarts, uh, Ethna Dunn and uh, Patrick McGee to round out the cast. It turned out that also one of the uh, actors from the previous movie who had been taken to Europe was willing to be in it, that was William Campbell. And so there I was about to make my very first film, the grip Chuck Hannawalt on Roger Corman's movie. I promoted to be director of photography and I also contacted a, a friend from UCLA uh, to come and help me uh, by being my camera operator. I had enjoyed very much working with him as the operator and making the compositions. He went back to New York on business or something. Mother. I... No doubt I am the one doing this typing on this little portable typewriter. It was my mode in those days to write a screenplay by just sort of drinking a lot of coffee and staying up all night and kind of going for it, hammering out whatever popped into my mind in the way of a screenplay or any bit of writing. Uh, I didn't have the screenplay finished when I arrived in uh, Dublin and then ultimately in County Wicklow. So I immediately set about to rent uh, two homes there that could house all of the crew who were going to be the non-Irish crew. As I said, I had called my friends at UCLA, and notably uh, a, a young man named John Vicario, who had been the camera operator on my student film, and someone I enjoyed very much setting compositions with. Uh, and he asked if he could bring uh, his girlfriend uh, whose name was Eleanor Neal, uh, to, to be uh, involved in the art department. She was an art student at UCLA. And I said, sure, but I could only pay her $100, and I can't pay for the fare. And he said that was fine. And the idea was that every, uh, everybody working on the film were going to stay two in a room in these two homes that I had rented. Except for me, I was the only one who had a room uh, for two, but I was one. And that was mainly because I was trying to write the rest of the script during the night, and so I would stay up all night typing out the script on uh, pretty much on mimeograph masters so it could go the next day right out to be uh, reproduced and given to the actors. Um, I was very excited. I, you know, I had been a theater student uh, and, and, and had directed plays, but I had never uh, made a film beyond a short film or a couple of short films at UCLA. 
So this was an opportunity to do a real feature film. And uh, we, we rented, we couldn't afford to really have studio space at Ardmore uh, Studios. So we, uh, we rented uh, just a small insert stage and built the set that we had on a diagonal so it would appear bigger. This young lady was in the film with Roger. Her name was Luana Anders, and she was a, a Roger Corman a perennial actor. She had been in many uh, films with him. I remember her in The Pit and the Pendulum, and, uh, uh, and she was also in the, uh, the film, previous film with Roger, which was called The Young Racers, and I was, as I said, the sound man. This scene now that is proceeding was the sort of all I really had um, to sell Roger on the idea of the story in which a, uh, a wife fakes the uh, disappearance of her husband who's actually died of a heart attack so that she can stay on with the family and uh, uh, not be excluded from the, um, uh, the inheritance. These scenes are, of course, uh, expository scenes that were shot in our one set at Ardmore Studio. As I said, it was a tiny space, but we built the set sort of very cleverly on a diagonal so that we could have shots that showed its space. Uh, and uh, we shot nine days in the studio, I remember, and then the rest of the uh, shoot was done on locations in and around Ireland, uh, uh, Howth Castle, and various other exterior locations. This is Bart Patton, who was a fellow UCLA student. He also had something of a career as an actor, and so I included him in the list of people to come to Ireland to help me. mother was about 40 when she gave birth to Kathleen. It was like a gift, she used to say. Apple for the starving and Kathleen for me. She even had a poem. Three sons, each who would marry and go away. But little Kathleen would always stay. I don't really know where the story came uh, from. It was, uh, How did she die? Uh, you know, I was trying to do a, uh, a mystery that would that would uh, satisfy Roger as being in the, in the homicidal uh, format. Homicidal was a film made by William Castle that was really a, a ripoff of uh, Psycho. So this was uh, a ripoff of a ripoff of a ripoff. Uh, this was actually, of course, in Dublin, and uh, we had gone on to the airfield and, and uh, was able to show Mary Patton getting off the plane. This is before the days when there was all the security that, of course, now exists. And we just went on the tarmac and, uh, and, and shot the arrival of the uh, young American girl who was uh, promised, who was going to marry Bart's brother, who was going to be played by um, William Campbell. The people of Ireland were very nice to me. I was, uh, as I said, this considered this young man who was bringing some employment there, and uh, 
Once when we shot in a pub, uh, they allowed us to keep the pub open past the legal uh, closing time, and uh, I forever had the reputation as the young man who could keep the pubs open. This, by the way, is my beloved 1962 Alfa Romeo sports car, which uh, was pretty much all I had, and I um, used it uh, in the film and photographed it in the film. It was a very beautiful car. It was brand new, and it was, uh, of course, my prized possession. This is Howth Castle, uh, where where the story uh, is, is set, and it was a very... Uh, uh, of course, authentic uh, Irish castle. Uh, boy, the car really looks good. And I always was sad that I sold that car. Big mistake. I wish I had one like it now. We'll leave the luggage for a minute. Come on, I'll take you to him. So the character is about to take uh, the young American girl to see her fiance, who is a sculptor. This scene always embarrassed me because of the way he's using the blowtorch. I, I didn't know any better, but uh, obviously the blowtorch should have been focused to its hot burning point. And uh, I'm sorry, Richard. This I think was also a set in in our in our uh, Ardmore Studios. Um, When I was a kid, there was a television show that was very popular coming from Chicago, which was called Super Circus. And Bart was, as a child actor, the character Scampy the Clown, which, whom I remember very well from my years of watching uh, uh, television. For a woman to have been married to such a famous sculptor and yet feel that way. This is Ethna Dunn, one of the actresses from the Abbey Theater. I believe she was in the film with Jimmy Cagney called Shake Hands with the Devil. She was a fine actress. And so this was pretty much a mixture of actors from uh, the uh, traditional uh, Irish stage and cinema and a few of the friends and, uh, from UCLA and then, of course, the cast left over from the Young Racers, which was the Roger Corman uh, Grand Prix movie that uh, this whole project was cooked up on. John was usually too busy to talk much about the family. That's why I'm so happy to be here, finally. You'll have a pleasant stay. And I'm sure you can find something to occupy your time during the ceremony. It won't take very long. Perhaps I am superstitious. But I think it's important that only the immediate members of the family should give their thoughts to Kathleen. Clearly, I was interested in some sort of haunting mystery that held over the family and that the uh, Luana's character uh, didn't really know what she was getting into when she concocted this uh, counterfeit story of uh, her husband having had to leave for New York when, in fact, he was dead. And her hopes were to get into the mother's uh, confidence so that she could possibly influence her. And since the mother was obsessed with the death of a little uh, daughter, Kathleen, who had drowned 
years before, I think uh, her concept was to uh, convince the mother that she could be some sort of medium or, or, or some sort of uh, way to intercede with the spirit of the girl and through the mother's obsession with the lost daughter influence uh, this contentious family as to their as to their inheritance and and possibly make sure that uh, her her husband uh, and herself was included or not excluded really I must say that I recall during this shooting period, which was about nine days inside the stage and, and, and a week or so in, in locations, that uh, I, I didn't quite know what I was in for and, and uh, remember thinking that the keeping up with the schedule and writing the script just a few nights before was, was uh, more, than, more difficult than I had thought. But I had these wonderful uh, help uh, with uh, actors like Luana and, and the others. And, uh, and, and uh, Charles Hanawalt, who was the photographer, was actually uh, Roger Corman's longtime uh, key grip. And he was doing the photography. And as I said, John Vicario was actually working behind the camera. It was a little bit like the British system where you have a lighting cameraman that would be Chuck Hanawalt and then a, uh, uh, someone on the camera helping uh, with the shots and the compositions. You're an intelligent woman, Louise. You notice things, size people up. You know when they're happy, you know when something's bothering them. Why don't you do me a little favor? Of course. All of these actors, certainly Bill Campbell and Luana, were very experienced having done uh, films with Roger and Bill Campbell had a Hollywood career. I think he was in The High and the Mighty and other films. I remember I was just fascinated with the lenses and uh, using short uh, focal length lenses to get images like that high angle and the mystery perhaps uh, there of this uh, authentic castle and, and uh, uh, you know, tried to have the, the young wife, I forget her name, uh, dig deeper into the story, what had happened. And even in the smaller parts, such as The Gardener, they were experienced actors from the Abbey Theater. The little girl. Ah, yes. That was a sad thing, that one. Lord Halloran was a much-loved man, and he invited one of the country fellows up here for his wedding. Oh, big wedding that was, a big banquet and everyone... I was very fond of Luana, and she was very nice to me, and uh, had I been a little more, uh, maybe aggressive, I would have suggested a more of a romantic connection, but I was pretty shy in those days and uh, didn't want to uh, muddy the water of the artistic relationship, but, but I remember um, shooting shots of her with her hair cut as it was and being very um, fond of her is the best way I could say it. She died quite young and was a friend uh, throughout, throughout my life. Uh,
I guess this story fell into a category that we'll call trauma drama. Some terrible thing happens in childhood, not unlike um, Spellbound, and the person is greatly affected by it, can never forget it, and somehow in it lie the seeds of his disorder or of the dementia or of the, the uh, mistaken... Uh, uh, emotion that leads to uh, to this pathological behavior. So Bart and Mary were, uh, at the time, recently married. She was a theater student at UCLA, but she was also uh, quite popular with a burgeoning career in Hollywood. She was in movies of the time such as uh, Rock Around the Clock and some of the beach pictures with teenagers. She was a very uh, pretty girl and, uh, and extremely nice. And uh, again, she's a friend to, live to this day. Bart moved uh, east uh, after they were divorced and I didn't see him so much. But at the time I made my student film, he was... Uh, the first assistant director, and he was an enormous help. And I remember even wanting to maybe set up a company with him. We joked his middle, his name was Bardwell, and my middle name was Ford, and we were going to call it Ford Bardwell and uh, set out to change uh, the landscape of Hollywood, but uh, uh, it never quite happened. Not yet. interesting uh, story about this film is that when it was done, I very much wanted my father, Carmine Coppola, to write the score. And, uh, and I brought it to him, and I knew that music would be very important, especially for a lot of these atmospheric sequences. And uh, my father took the position, oddly, and, uh, that uh, he would only write the score if he could conduct it. And of course, since it was a very low-budget film, the music was not going to be recorded in the United States. Roger had another movie that uh, was going to also need a score, and the composer of that score was going to go into Bulgaria to record it and had offered to also record my father's score for this picture. But my father took the position that he wouldn't write the, the score unless he could conduct it and I said it's impossible for you to conduct it we we don't have an orchestra you, we can't send you to Bulgaria and I always thought that you know after so many years of hoping for my father's a career to blossom and for him to get his break and his opportunity that finally when I could offer it to him on a platter and give him a score that I know he would have done a great job on uh, he, he backed out of it on the pretense that if he couldn't conduct it, he wouldn't write it. And uh, the uh, fellow who did write it, uh, named uh, Ronnie Stein, uh, did a great job and, and went to Bulgaria and recorded it. And I always uh, think of the music of this uh, picture with gratitude because uh, I was in a bind and I thought he did excellent work with the music he did write, although I always wonder if it would have helped jumpstart my father's career and always am sad that my father decided to turn it down.
Here we see um, Luana, I'll call her Luana, because that's her real name, the actress, uh, sort of working on the mother Machiavellian, plotting to, to get under her skin, to let her have confidence in her and, 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 and implant the idea that she would be able to reach the daughter, reach the spirit of the lost daughter. I remember always enjoying those compositions of Luana with the way her hair was cut and how you could crop the image, um, making uh, some nice compositions with her face and her hair. Looking at this now, I see how young Ethna Dunn was. I thought of her as the mother, as an older woman, but she is, she's in actuality quite young, and I think we had to whiten her hair to give her more age. In good literary tradition, my idea was to ultimately ensnare Luana on her own plot, basically, and uh, of course enjoy the psycho technique of setting up a very, very important protagonist character who comes to an abrupt end. Roger had found an editor to help me, and uh, he was an older man named Mort Tuber, I remember. At first I was frightened because I had a feeling of how I wanted it to be cut together, but Mort Tuber just did a terrific job, and, and I was very um, grateful to him for, from, from the way he handled the suspense of these scenes and intercut. Uh, with some of the elements I had shot. And I remember him telling me once, because at, at one point I was very, uh, you know, kind of feeling that he had so improved what I had shot. And he, I remember him saying, well, if it's on the screen, it was the director who put it there. And that was uh, his way of comforting me. But Mortuber did bring a lot of um, his skill uh, to, to putting this film together as well as, as it turned out to be. I remember when the film came out, I was so proud that I had that I'd made something that even vaguely looked like a movie. It came out and it got a review in New York, and, and I showed it to my brother, and I said, look, look, Augie, it says, and under the solid direction of Francis Ford Coppola, and he said, no, Francis, he says, it says stolid direction of Francis Coppola. 
And I said, stolid, what does that mean? And he told me. Obviously, the film was at its best when they, as most films are, when no one's talking because you're able to see on the faces what's going on. And this scene was a good opportunity just to uh, watch her as she uh, took the elements of her conspiracy and, and, and from, the, from the old playroom of the young girl and clearly she has some scheme in mind and you didn't know what it was and since they weren't talking about it it comes off less uh, you know as dialogue scenes often do less phony but here we're giving away some of the dynamics of what is to come just through uh, unspoken imagery. All of this is shot inside the studio in that nine-day period. This was an old trick I had always seen Alfred Hitchcock do, where he has a character moving down a corridor or hallway and moving faster and faster, and then just stopped very short and abruptly. And I always wanted to do that, and I think I did it in this sequence. The moving corridor shot with the abrupt stop. Are you lost? No, are you? I think you'll find that you're in quite the wrong part of Castle Halloran to find your room. Good night, Louise. Good night. Of course, at this point in the story, you don't know who is the bad guy or who is who, but clearly she is spinning a web. And this scene, which now begins here, is the scene that I described to Roger Corman very first to get him his interest. I knew it had uh, all the elements that he may have wished for in, in the little exploitation film, a beautiful woman, a mysterious uh, setting, strange behavior, uh, even a little bit of uh, uh, semi-nudity. So this is the scene that uh, enabled me to get his go-ahead to make the film. And then to make things even better, she takes her clothes off.
This is some mysterious potion that I imagine was a slow-acting acid that would eat away at the dolls which were being weighted down by the wrench and the, and the rope. I like to think that her un underwear pants aren't really the wrong color. They just, when wet, became much darker than they were than when they were dry. the tomb of the little girl really was shot uh, not in the water. We tried to give it a water effect so you would believe it. So in hopefully a true psycho tradition, the main protagonist is suddenly and savagely killed. Early on in the story, you have no idea who the killer is, hopefully, and um, it all takes an unexpected turn, and that is the fun of it. Enter a new character. This is the great Patrick McGee, Irish actor. He, uh, of course, appeared in uh, many films. He was available, quite fortunately, and he was very interesting. I imagined him as the doctor, uh, the family doctor, but he was certainly a very exotically weird character. He was the original actor that Samuel Beckett's play, Crap's Last Tape, was written for, and who did the initial performance of that work. I just can't believe that such a punctual cycle is physiological. Aside from all this, am I well? Aside from all this? Oh, yes. Again, it strikes me odd, all of these the folks seem so young to me, and at the time they seemed positively elderly. Come in. Uh, will you bring a summer dress for Madam, something youthful and cheerful, so that we can have lunch on the terrace? And my daughter-in-law, Louise. She isn't in her room. I don't think she slept there last night, if you are to ask me. Yeah, but nobody's asking you, little girl. Uh, 
Marry up with the lunch, or I'll wish five years at Spinsterhood on you. I must know where Louise is. I never noticed this interest in your daughter. It was an interesting circumstance with uh, Patrick McGee. He was, um, when the film was over, Roger had set in motion another film, a Yugoslavian film, with a uh, Serbian director and uh, had made the deal with a few of the actors who were appearing in now this film, Dementia 13, and I was, when the film was done, I was to take them to Yugoslavia. Oh, there's that beautiful car again. I was to take them to Yugoslavia with me, and I was to act as a kind of uh, producer for, for Roger. And I brought Patrick McGee and and, um, and Bill Campbell there. But, but of course, I didn't know that Patrick McGee was such a, a Olympic-sized drinker, so he was really drinking a lot. And uh, when I was there with him in Yugoslavia, and, and I remember uh, once uh, I was in, in the hotel and I heard this crash, and when I looked down four flights of stairs, there was Patrick McGee at the bottom of the stairs. He had fallen all the way down. So I went down and I sort of put him over my shoulder and carried him up the four flights of stairs and put him in his bed. And I then went and uh, back to my room, went to bed, and, and I heard another crash. And when I came out, there he was down the four flights of stairs. And I carried him up a second time, put him in the bed and started to go to bed myself, and then I heard a third crash, and there he was at the base of the four flights of stairs, and I just left him there. But he was, uh, he was quite a, um, a great actor, but a very uh, interesting person. He always used to tell me, he says to me in his theatrical voice, the Italians in World War II did not lose much honor because the Italians had not much honor to lose. But what they had, they lost. He took great pleasure in reciting this to me over and over again. Have you counted the silver? <laughs> Probably the most astute diagnosis you've ever made, Caleb. Bill Campbell also, in uh, this Yugoslavian experience, was pretty uh, interesting. He started having an affair with uh, a lovely Serbian woman who was a concert pianist, but was also the wife of a major uh, communist uh, commissar and uh, we got word that he was going to come and see what was going on and so he asked me if I would have dinner with them and he had asked a number of Americans so it wouldn't just be he, the wife and the commissar. Of course no one showed up except me and uh, the, the, the woman and Bill and this tough uh, Serbian commissar thought I was the, 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 actually, no, I think he didn't show up, and just I was there and the wife. But those was adventures to be had in the film made just after this one. They're Kathleen's dolls. I saw them float up from the bottom of the pond. One of you has a brilliantly imaginative and sadistically effective mind. I wish I could keep up with it. So in this sequence, the little sign that uh, Luana had, or Louise, her name was, was intending to be a sign from the daughter happens. Of course, Louise is long gone, and the mother, of course, 
uh, takes the indication of the little playthings of the girl with great um, uh, distress. Here we're now getting a little hint of perhaps what happened. Here's where I learned in movies that you have the two kinds of scenes. You have scenes where they are having dialogue, or you have a scene in which the cast is involved in some activity, and you learn what you learn not from what they say, but from what you feel. Uh, of course, I was coming as a you know fourth-year theater student, and which you sort of had to write out everything and they had to play dialogue scenes. Now I advise everyone, my children and, and, and anyone making a film, that when you do these kind of scenes, to try a take where they don't say anything and they just think the thoughts and, and inevitably you get much more out of them uh, without their being... If scenes don't... I mean, not criticizing this scene, but in general, if scenes... Uh, unless there's something really interesting to say about something really interesting that's happened, you're better off not to have dialogue at all. There goes the infamous blowtorch again. It was wonderful to be able to just call up some actors from the Irish tradition and play some of these secondary characters, be able to have them uh, so, so available. I forget why the scene is shot at night. It was always odd to me that he was washing the car and there was no sun out to dry it, but I think that was just so that I could have the eerie, uh, moody uh, magic of night. That was the tiara. That was, of course, I think, in the uh, painting of the little girl. The mother has been sort of tormented and uh, uh, terrorized by these various people and, and trying to get her, her insanity to come, come out and... and 
I guess with Louise, the, the Luana Anders character gone, now Patrick McGee sort of takes on that role of the, uh, of the person who is uh, stimulating the mother. a wooden shack on the grounds of where I was living after we returned to LA and uh, the owner said it's all right if I demolished it and we got a friend and an axe and we just shot that shack being axed to smithereens and then used it in the scene with the playhouse. If I remember correctly that night, I think Gethna Dunn herself had a taste for a, a little shot of the Irish whiskey once in a while. Uh, I guess they all did. I remember these nights were cold and long and um, infinite waiting for God knows what, the lighting. But it was, uh, it was the reality of film production that you see a sequence like that and it all takes place in a few minutes, but it was the whole night. I suppose that's why some of the Irish whiskey has, had gotten uh, produced. see where my room is? You have to go down a corridor where nobody's lived for the past 50 years. Then up a flight of stairs. I guess in those days I I thought this, the art of it all was to have dialogue scenes and since I was writing them a few days before they were doing them I just I didn't know any better that, that maybe it was wiser to have fewer scenes of talking and 
maybe try to take what they were saying and weave it into some action that could take place of discovery. I'm always a little boy when I'm in my room. It's late. I hear somebody outside making a kind of a scraping sound. I get out of bed, look out of the window. But this is, you know, what, almost 60 years ago, so there was a lot to learn. I'm still learning, I, I must say. I'm so small, I only come up to her waist. The man is in the shadows. You can almost recognize him, but not really. He says that he's insane, and that someone else in the room is insane also, and that he's going to nod his head. And when he does, that other insane person will nod their head. He nods. I look up at my mother, and she's nodding her head. And then she starts laughing at me, and she picks me up in her arms, runs outside, and throws me into the pond. Billy, we've all got to get out of here. Come on, go to bed. I want you to pass all those spooky corridors. Better get there before Richard throws us both in the pond. What's wrong? Nothing. You just made me realize the man in my dream who climbs up my wall is Richard. I'm sorry, I just never thought of it before. Just a dream. This shot was the absolute complete length of the set, meaning that the camera and the guy wiping his forehead were not even in the door of the stage. As I had said, it was all built on a diagonal to make it appear big, but it wasn't really big. And this shot here is the complete length of the diagonal with the camera outside of the door to make the room look as uh, as big it lo does look big i must say but it was not big excuse me but arthur's here he says he has something important to tell you excuse me well arthur i drained the pond like you told me and there's something there Think you'd Shrine. 
beautifully done. I never saw that before. Quite skillfully carved, I must say. I worked in iron, remember? Six years ago, you worked in stone. I never did that. Oh, they had drained the lake. And uh, or the or the, the 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 pond and and they uh, uncover this this uh, monument or this uh, memorial f that had been put there for the little girl. Come on, Richard, let's go. No, he's trying to play a game with me, don't you see? Your mother lies in bed in a state of shock caused by something or somebody. I don't call that a game, Richard. Has the all-seeing doctor noticed that a certain money-hungry, conniving little woman has uh, left our midst? That my mother in her struggle clung on desperately to a very valuable diamond tiara? But I think Bill Campbell uh, had a brother named Bob Campbell who had uh, written many screenplays for Roger Corman and in fact wrote the screenplay for the previous film that this all was spawned from called The Young Racers and uh, Bob Campbell's brother Bill Campbell was in it and that's how we we got to know him and how he came to be in this film I didn't mean to annoy your brother but I think he's right I think Louise did try to see your mother Sayara and I think she'll come back I think she's hiding somewhere in town will you help me look for her Sure, if you want me to. I do. Because your brother's upset, and the young girl, too. That leaves the two of us. What do you think? Sure, I guess you're right. As I mentioned, the people in County Wicklow near the uh, studio, Ardmore Studio, were extremely kind to us and thrilled to have this little production uh, happening in their, in their uh, area, Ardmore was always on on a shallow ground in terms of its financial stability, and although many films had been made there. But uh, I'm not even sure that the studio is operating anymore, but it was a very nice studio, and, and the people were extremely uh, welcoming and kind to us. This, of course, is a real location. I'm not sure if it's a horse paddock or some sort of slaughterhouse or something. I always felt that a shot like this, just on his face, moving, tells more about him than any, any number of dialogue scenes, unless they're great dialogue scenes. There was some controversy here. I think Bart was annoyed because his wife's uh, diaphanous uh, look uh, was a little too revealing, but, you know, I knew Roger wanted some sex appeal in it. I thought it was pretty conservative, but it did anger the, the husband. 
told you not to follow me. Look at you. You're frightened to death. Settle down. What are you doing here? The studio where my father worked. Kept his stone cutting tools here. I was trying to find out who made that monument. Oh, Richard. Richard, I'm sorry. I'll never doubt you again, I promise. You can get married now. Your mother's still sick and she won't be able to stop it. No one will be able to stop it. This is the scene that I kept the pub open uh, a couple of hours uh, longer than the legal limit. In, in Dublin in those days, at, at whatever it was, 10 o'clock or uh, maybe earlier, the, the police would come in and sort of whistle, and, and that was the sign that all sales had to stop. So we got permission to keep it going a few hours longer than the legal limit, and I was a ce celebrated hero in town ever since then. These are all the real locals in the pub. Thank you. Over here, Billy, near the heat. Drink up. What do you think, Billy? Where did she go? I don't know. Come on, let's go. Alfred, you wouldn't begrudge an aging man his moment's rest, would you? You know, I think you know the answer to all the problems your family's been having. Because, Billy, you saw your little sister drown all those years ago. No, I didn't. Oh, yes, you did. You know how I know you did? No. Because you told me. I didn't ask. Alfred, come on, drink up. Do you remember all those years ago when you couldn't sleep? Of course, the family doctor is sort of changing his function and turning into something of a detective in the story. Psychological detective, maybe. I always thought that he was uh, one of the more interesting characters in this piece, that uh, he was uh, the doctor to the weird. Richard, tell me what happened. What happened to Louise? Fishy, fishy in the brook. And in a, in a, I don't know if it's a tradition, but I was trying to answer a riddle with a riddle. Fishy, fishy in the brook. Daddy caught you on a hook. This was a controversial issue because I used Mary's really real wedding gown and uh, of course her mother was angry at me because it wasn't returned in as pristine condition as it was received and Roger was mad at me because it made so much noise with the rustling among the guests that we had to loop a lot of the dialogue. So it's a beautiful dress and she looks beautiful in it, but 
in fact, it got me in a lot of trouble from a number of quarters. This is, of course, that same set. It's amazing how big this room seems to be because it was tiny. You see the two pillars there, which were established on the opposite angle. Chills my bones to the marrow is when a pretty girl in a wedding dress looks at me and finds me repulsive. Oh, don't be silly, doctor. Oh, I'm often silly, one of my major vices. Another one is a desire on my part to help others, however handsome that may sound. Then you can help me by telling me where Richard is. I'm not sure where Richard is. Or indeed, uh, what he is. Oh, and you wonder why young girls in wedding dresses give you dirty looks. No, no, no. I'm quite serious. I've known this family for a very long time. I've been aware of the atmosphere of depression and the slightly demented quality that hangs over it. But these are subtle matters, so I never spoke. I will tell you, young lady, that I know that Louise did not leave, but was taken away from Castle Halloran. Perhaps even her husband, John, didn't actually go on that business trip. I don't know what you're talking about. Because you don't know what I'm talking about, you think I'm some kind of villain. Can you imagine what it's like to try to help others and to be mistrusted every time my lip twists? This doesn't mean that every word I say is sinister. I don't know what you're trying to say. What I'm trying to say to you, that I've discovered things in this house that make me uneasy, and that you are probably in a position of some danger. From Richard? Primarily from Richard. But I'm not sure. It could be anyone. Well, maybe you have forgotten. But I certainly haven't. I'm his wife now. And his sister, and his sister-in-law, and his mother, and perhaps his eldest brother. I remember the film originally was supposed to cost $20,000, which is what Roger gave me. But when I was in England, I met a gentleman who was willing to buy the English rights for the film for another $20,000. And... So I had $40,000. Of course, Roger wanted the twenty back because he thought he would be able to get the film for nothing given that uh, it was budgeted at twenty. but I used the extra uh, $20,000 uh, to you know, increase the production value and pay for the, what was going to be budget overages. And my impression is that's what the film cost, about $40,000. Who said anything about me? No one. Everyone, I don't care. I think in those days I was as much interested in the sinister imagery and unusual characters, and yet I had the strict obligation to deliver some kind of a uh, exploitation horror film. As usual, you try the best you can to give what you think is what was requested and do it with as much of what can appeal to your own standards or ideas.
I guess now the trap is baited. Uh, my doctor now turned detective is running the show now that Louise is gone. that pistol because in Ireland there are no firearms that one can get one's hands on and I needed a pistol for this scene and that is the actual pistol of uh, Connolly and it was in a bar in a glass case it no longer could fire so he pointed the gun you hear the gunshot you don't really see anything and then the gun is put away. There's a credit there says Simon Kalshanzer, and that was of a kind of a poacher who Roger wished to add uh, into the story so that there could be another um, axe murderer. And I always resented that it will be in the extras of this scene. But of course, you see also up there Eleanor Neal, who is now Eleanor Coppola. Oh, this was the sequence that involved uh, 
the additional uh, scenes that were, were taken out involving the poacher. <laughs> 